0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington. And today, in a pre-recorded program, we're going to take a look back on 2006, and may even take a little uh, glance forward to 2007. Uh, joining me in the studio are three guests today. Will Murphy is here. He's not really a guest. Will Murphy is news director of WFIU and often sits in on this program. Uh, and other Times produces the program. Andrea Murray is here. She's managing editor of the Herald Times. And Chuck Carney is here. Chuck, until recently, was the news director of WTIU, and we have to wish him well in his new job with the yep. uh, IU School of Education. Thanks. So thanks, Chuck and Will and Andrea. Thanks. Hello. I'm glad you're here. You can't call us today. Sorry. Uh, we're pre-recording <coughs> the program uh, for the holiday week, but we're going to take a look at all the stories of the year. Um, in Monroe County, in the state of Indiana, and maybe even a little bit nationally. So let's let's get started. And Chuck, we're going to go with you. I, I, I was sort of calling Chuck before we started our. our our regular Joe
1: off the street because he's not really a news person anymore. But no, I'm actually wearing a. a he doesn't look like a, a news person, yeah. person today. I'm wearing a sweatshirt <laughs> and a hat and and even unshaven this morning, which no one has ever seen me in the state. Uh,
2: and they can't uh, see you now either.
1: Yeah, that's right. So uh, actually, I could say I'm wearing a feather boa too. I yeah. just like to throw that in. Uh, but no. but I think you you
0: still uh, know what you're talking about, and you covered a lot of news. In two thousand and six why don 't you pick you know one of one of your top if if not the top story of the year for you what one of the top stories you think in this area was
1: well, I think in this area, clearly the top story of the things that uh, that uh, i 've covered and of course the, the newspaper and radio have covered uh, heavily as well is the uh, the Biermann verdict and the, the trial. Uh, and, and for me personally, uh, wrapping up uh, my job as the WTIU news director, it essentially has spanned most of my time here. So for me, the, that uh, verdict in the sentence uh, of John Myers uh, for for the murder of Jill Bierman uh, was uh, by far and away the, the biggest story just because of the amount of time that I've spent on it. Uh, the, the thing that, that stands out to me about that is – um, two things. One is the surprise at how quick the verdict came in. Uh, I was certain and told people in this building when we heard that the uh, jury was back after less than an hour that it was going to be a not guilty conviction. It just seemed very logical that, that that when that it's that quick, and I'm no jury expert, that that was going to be a not guilty. I was very surprised that they came back with guilty just because based on the speed, not on anything in the case. Um, but uh, the other thing that stands out about that was the reaction of the Beermans who have been so incredibly gracious and um, handled themselves so uh, with such dignity throughout this whole process. And uh, uh, those of us with kids, uh, we look at them and, and think, how can you stand there and be this composed. But but I was impressed by their reaction in that there was nothing like, you know, good may he rot. Uh, it was, uh, you know, this is another step and Jill's not coming back and and uh, it you, ha- you couldn't stand and look at that and not be impressed with just how that all wrapped up and, and in many ways that was uh, – for them, I, I thought that was the proper way to to wrap it up, um, and, and I suspect we haven't heard the last of it. Uh, there will be other uh, appeals, I, I would suspect. And uh, well, yeah, I and mean, actually,
0: uh, we're pre-recording this program, as I've said before. And, and in today's paper, which is still before Christmas, there was a story about uh, John Myers' family saying, you know, just they want justice for John because
1: he's not guilty, and they're going to keep. Working to get him set free, so so yeah, we haven't heard the end of that. Story. And there are, there are things in that that case to appeal. It should be said. I mean, as far as things that they can legally take on, uh, you know, whatever you think about the verdict, I think there are things that that John Myers' attorneys did in that case that uh, probably will be grounds for an appeal.
0: Okay. Now I gave uh, Chuck Carney the the easy job because I think probably in Pretty much everybody's top ten. The well,
1: why'd you give him
2: the easy job? Well, because, <laughs> because he's I, no I longer going out the
0: door. The well, then he should the get street, the yeah.
2: hard job.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, okay, Andrea, we'll go to you next.
2: What is this? The second hardest or second, second easiest. easiest? Yeah.
0: So, so we're talking about the top stories of 2006, and the Beerman story was certainly one that that we all. Covered quite a bit. So, what about what's what's another story?
2: Well, mine, the one I was going to pick, and 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 this isn't meant to take anything away from the the important story about the Myers verdict, um, is the Malloy uh, case and and his resignation and how uh, people basically, after I don't know how many years or months of problems with the administration and the schools, got finally got up on their hind legs and said we you know we can't take this anymore and and we're not going to and and i think that it, for that to happen there had to be a certain amount of dissatisfaction built up and then they had to be willing to kind of go out there and say my name is you know so and so and i say that this is wrong and there's a lot of reluctance to do that when your job is on the line and you have to get along with the people that you work with every day and and it, it's a it's a difficult thing to do, and I think that the uh, MCCSC um, teachers and and the administrators who are involved in in uh, kind of making this work deserve a lot of credit. And it was still handled. I mean, there were a lot of hard feelings, and and there were ugly stories, and and some of it was never reported. Um, and still, I think it was handled well. I think that it's possible the school board could have helped out a little more quickly and a little better but it it seemed to go pretty quickly after a certain point and, and was over with And of course this is also a story to look ahead for 2007 <laughs> because <Absolutely. clears throat> the plans for how to replace the superintendent are sort of I see, I see them sort of balanced on should we look for another person or should we renew with the uh, interim uh, Jim Harvey who has been doing a fine job um, although I tend to think, my personal opinion, mm-hmm. that uh, it'd be great if they could really search uh, carefully for somebody and and be sure they have the, the best quality uh, pick that they have. I mean, Jim Harvey is doing a good sh- job, but I think part of the job of the school board is to make sure that he's the one person that we need for the next three years in that job. Mm-hmm. So I look forward to 2007 and hope that they they do
0: that. I don't, I don't know how much Will and Chuck did with this story, the Malloy story, but it, it's, it, it is a story that, you know, we we at the Herald Times, I'll let you address this a little bit more Andrea, you know, we, we did some stories on it, but it was very difficult to get mm-hmm. The story in the paper. Everybody in town was talking about the dissatisfaction in the in the school corporation, but <laughs> few people wanted to go on the record to talk about well, it. So it was and, very difficult and to Andrea
1: get. mentioned something about the things that uh, were not reported, and we all know things that were not reported. That uh, you know, some of them shouldn't be, and and uh, and that that's appropriate, and and there are other things that oh, you could make an argument for, but but again, the hardest part was. Getting people to say, "Yeah, here's the the deal," and uh, it, there are a lot of layers to this, and uh, and, and it's still working itself out. Um, yeah, we're anyways. still
2: we're still getting calls, you know, from time to time, and and people who still have an axe to grind or, or wish that certain elements of the story had been covered in more depth, and and that sort of thing. But um, it's over. I, I really think it's over, and it's time to go forward and and pick the very best next superintendent.
0: Well, let's go to Will Murphy. Any uh, You can comment on that story if you want, but uh, if you don't want, just pick your <laughs> your top story of the year other than these other two.
3: Uh, I think you picked two really interesting examples. I mean, the Beerman case was really interesting because it's one of, unfortunately, many murder cases that we've all covered over the past years, and yet this one really galvanized public interest and um, got a lot of people involved, and there were a lot of offshoots from this case that generated sort of Subplots and sub-stories. And so um, I was looking at the Herald Times online page where you're asking readers to vote on, and their overwhelming vote was for that as the number one story. I don't think it would have been my pick, although it was a very compelling story. The thing with a school uh, superintendent, I think, is a different kind of story where obviously a school system is something that affects a large number of readers and listeners and viewers um, and has a profound effect on... Um, a lot of families in the community, so I can see uh, the case for that. But my my pick was one that no one else on, among your many thousand readers chose to select as the number one story, and that for me was privatization this year. I mean, uh, whether it's a toll road that you're selling uh, the contract for to a to a foreign firm, or uh, for seventy five years, or uh, subcontracting uh, social service management to uh, IBM Group. Um, there's this really interesting move in government right now in Indiana towards privatizing everything and I find myself wondering exactly where is it going to stop? It,
2: are they saying, well, we can't do it so someone else can do it better than us? I, that sounds to me like almost a self-defeating it's, type it, of stance It is a sort end. of
3: indictment of, of government and it suggests to me a radically different notion of government than one might uh, than we've had in the past I mean, it's, it's very autocratic to sort of set up government as a business where the uh, direction is from the top down, um, make things efficient because there's not a lot of opposition. It's a really radically different notion of how to get things done in the public sphere, and uh, I think it'll have wide-ranging ramifications down the road. Well, well and it's happening at, at any University, you know, too. Uh,
2: there was you know. a letter to the editor recently about some effects of privatization at university services at other universities, and you know, one of the things that was mentioned was that uh, it removes – for example, the employees are still – have their jobs, the food service uh, – let's say the food service uh, was privatized. But the employees still are, are are there, but they lost in their benefits package or they lost their benefits. And when that happens then, the ability to address it by the community is, is weakened a lot because they can't go to the president of IU or they can't go to the people who they thought they used to be able to go to. And complain. They're, they're complaining to a, a, a giant corporate entity that really is insulated from that type of public pressure.
1: Well, I'm sorry. That, that's such an important point, too, because it, if depending on the kind of outsourcing that is done at, at IU, you could have a cumulative effect that's not unlike layoffs at General Electric and uh, and Thompson uh, in that you're asking people to go to jobs that even could pay the same but the benefits mm-hmm. are so much less that the health care uh, makes mm-hmm. it prohibitive for them to stay in this community. So uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's a big deal. It seems to me. I mean, there were also
3: some very, I don't want to say funny, but ironic moments like they privatize, uh, uh, not privatize, I'm sorry, they consolidate processing of unemployment uh, claims in Indiana and they centralize in Indianapolis. And a lot of unemployment counselors lose their jobs. And then there's a backlog of processing because they don't have enough people to do it. There's been a very odd sort of streamlining of government that's had these very bizarre effects. So we'll talk a little bit more about
0: just state government and Governor Daniels because he's been sort of the architect of a lot of this uh, in a few minutes. But I I want to add my pick
2: Oh, uh, you get your turn here. now. Yeah, I'm going to take my turn. He's the moderator. He's going to break in and take his. <laughs> I'm turn take
0: my turn. And this is a, again a different kind of story because this was a breaking news story that occurred. But you know, I I would want to mention the the plane crash that killed five Indiana University School of Music students. Um, and I think you know when you think about this, and, and again, I I mean, certainly no disrespect to the Beermans or Joe Bierman or the that whole tragedy. Um, and I, and I don't really mean to compare either, but in this particular case, there were five young people whose lives ended abruptly. Um, circumstances were totally different, but these were, you know, these were people who had very, very promising careers. They uh, were members of our community. You know, one worked at the radio station here, and a lot of people knew him. And so, um, you know, it was, it was such a tragic situation, and it touched. You know in many communities, probably five well I suppose five different communities five different communities outside of mm-hmm. Bloomington where these folks had come from um, and it was just a, a real tragic situation but again it wasn't a long term thing it won't it's, it's pretty much over with uh, you know except for the families who are involved mm-hmm. but it was a you know it's a big news story and oh. and one that I think uh, I hope we don't have a
1: repeat of ever well, and one thing I'd like to mention about that is, and why Bloomington is is one of these communities where, when you cover news, I, I, I I've taught a journalism class here for uh, some time, and and I always uh, paraphrase uh, the Tip O'Neill quote uh, and say all news is local, which you know s- should seem obvious, but people forget the impact of stories over time on people that, uh, uh, for instance, after September 11th, uh, I told my students, uh, you will know somebody who knows somebody who died in this. And sure enough, of course, you know, within a few days, that that was true. But in that particular case, uh, uh, one of the, the students who died in that plane crash uh, taught a uh, church uh, children's choir. And I know that that uh, some of the kids are still having a hard time dealing with uh, even beginning to sing again uh, because uh, the, he was so beloved. And, uh, you know, you, I, I think the reminder to anybody in news is that uh, nothing that you write is really unimportant mm-hmm. because uh, the ramifications are, are so deep uh, to some people in ways that you don't remember
3: Mm-hmm. I think also every time this show comes around every year, I think you know the most important news in this community is always on the second page of the Herald-Times. That is to say it's always the obituary page, and you think of how those announcements are affecting families across the community or the wedding announcements uh, in the Sunday paper. Those are the—for someone out in the community, those are without question not only the number one story of the year but the number one story of, of a lifetime perhaps. And a, a sort of related <laughs> event tomorrow, and again, one that's thinking— this program airs a week from, so it'll be almost a week ago. Uh, they're having the memorial so service confused. for the homeless at Shalom. Yeah,
2: we're going to be covering that.
3: And they'll be uh, honoring, uh, recognizing uh, 10 people who were homeless who died in the community uh, this year. And, and it uh,
1: always ends up being more than they plan on because there are always some yep. that come, they, oh, wait, there's this person.
4: Yeah. yeah,
3: and that's always a very compelling story for me because there are 10 lives that were important in this community that probably didn't get a lot of headlines or airtime, but they recognize this one day.
0: Yeah so it's definitely a I mean that's a an interesting sort of discussion of news because news is really what's important to each individual. But
2: know. is it always bad news?
1: No, no. it's definitely not always yes. bad news. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well for a will. Uh, no, it's it, it's uh uh Because
2: when we do these lists, you know,
1: well there just is
2: hardly anything that's would, sure. would the classic reader would say, well that's good. Well news. don't you think
0: I mean I always say when I talk to a class or anything, news, you know, is bad. <clears throat> the, the nature of news is bad. It's something that's unusual and and different and often i mean if i drive to work every day and i don't hit a telephone pole it's not news you know <laughs> but the one day i veer off and hit a telephone pole that makes it news so you know i think
1: that there is a lot of I mean, that's that's sort of part of of what makes news well, because it's so unusual and again uh, the uh, uh, another Journalistic discussion, but uh, the reason why uh, some people in federal government are upset about uh, coverage of the Iraq War is they say, well, the, all these things are going right in certain provinces, and those are quiet. And well, that's that's maybe a feature story sometime, but uh, uh, it's not. It, it isn't news because that's news is unusual and out of the ordinary, and you know. We should worry when it's not. Uh, it's really come so. Uh, it's not out of the ordinary to have an explosion and people killed in Baghdad every day, and we're getting very close yeah. to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're
0: listening to a edition. I want to remind you that uh, that it's a pre-recorded program. We're we're taking the the break off for the folks here at WFiu during the the. Uh, the Christmas to New Year's week, but uh, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. I'm here with Will Murphy and Chuck Carney and Andrea Murray, and we're talking about news uh, from night or 2000. <laughs> where that come from? 2006, Ooh. and we'll take a look at uh, 2007. So uh, before we end the the very very short discussion of the Iraq War, I've got to say this is uh, you know one of my my I get the moderator uh, privilege here, but. I'm frankly sick of hearing people talk about whether we're going to win or lose this war. I don't think it's a matter of winning or losing anything. There're not not going to be any winners in what happens in Iraq when we finally, you know, when when it's over, nobody's going to be a winner. So how do you evaluate it? Well, I don't know how you evaluate it, but it's not that simple. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not that simple. Too many people have been killed, you know, too many lives have been changed and you know i just don't see how you can say that somebody that we or anybody else is going to win that war so
2: that's true so if right. a stable but,
3: democracy gets established in iraq and and uh war comes to an end in the
0: middle east all those people that were on page 2 of the baghdad press in the obituaries they they you know i how can you say that there were any winners if, if it could
2: be resolved
0: 10,000 people of but, All right.
2: but I want to talk about some good news. Let's okay? do. can we Let's please talk about some good news. I mean seriously the the list of, <laughs> of nominations for the Star of the Year included some things that didn't make it anywhere near the top of the, the final vote but, so what are they? Well, depending on your point of view now, uh, the casino opening mm-hmm. was considered uh, pretty good news i, I there agree. are people who are, are are afraid that it's going to cause other kinds of problems. and it, it Where did that end up won't. on our list? It's not anywhere near the top. Then there was an hmm. anonymous was like woman 30. buys an $11 million winning lottery ticket, sold in Bloomington. Now, we don't know who she is. If we knew- we got one vote and we know who that vote is. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: and yeah, then let's much. see.
2: Now, here's one that really depends on your point of view, mm-hmm. okay? But it kind of falls into the expanding county life sciences corridor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Monroe Hospital opened.
0: That really depends on your point of
2: view, yes. Well, okay. Yes, it does. Yes. If, if it were any other business, I mean, if it were any other business, like, you know, a new manufacturing or industry business, then everyone would be cheering and clapping. It is a expansion of our health care service system. Um, there are people who are very worried about what it means to our existing health care service system, but – Others say it's a sign of growth and it's, it, it's healthy. I,
0: I think that it, it's definitely a big story for our community. And yeah. it, uh, you know, the, the lead up to it was interesting and big. It's I mean, been a, lot, interesting. a lot of folks have, you know, who are connected with Bloomington Hospital and tradition, the traditional health care delivery system in Monroe County, there were a lot of people who were not eager to see a second hospital open, a private hospital open.
2: And then there's North Band. It finished <laughs> fifth in the state band championship. Highest placement in history. How about that? That's, That's good. good news.
0: That's good news. It didn't
2: make the top of the list, but it was on the list, so it's important.
0: To but it. we should point out that it did make the front page. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, we don't always bury the, the good news
3: inside the paper. All
0: right. Well, let's go and go through a few of these areas of, uh, you know, what we would call news beats because there were there were a lot of things that happened in various areas. And I'm going to start with one that, that typically is good news, the arts. And, uh, you know— there there are some things that i would mention with the arts and you might have your own but besides um you know actually the very bad news that we already mentioned that happened to the school of music the school of music had had a, a banner year for hiring people and it did you know i i'm, I'm professor slatkin who professor i guess i'd call him <laughs> who uh is joining the faculty and uh,
2: they're going to call him professor when he's in that role. When he's in
0: that role. That's right. Um, and there were other top uh, names that I'm, I should have written them all down.
2: Will remembers them. Well, yeah. You
0: do this to me every program. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but the School of Music, had, I mean, there it was a very exciting year. I mean, the School of Music is um, one of the... One of the premier schools of music, if not the best school of music in the country, and the faculty uh, Sylvia McNair is another Mm -hmm. another name. uh,
3: She'd been working there, but this is like expanding her role, right? if Andre Watts was this
1: year, several Grammy Award nominations affiliated with the school mm -hmm. um, as well. Andre Watts
0: was, I think, last year, I believe, but but they're just adding to their, and they already had a phenomenal faculty. So I think that was that was good news and, and big news in the area of the arts. And, you know, it's the, it's the holiday season, and I personally didn't go see uh, a, a Year in the Life of Frog and Toad or whatever that's <laughs> the name of that was. But I heard nothing but rave reviews of it. And we had on Noon Edition on this program Randy White— and folks from the Cardinal Stage Company. And I would like to mention the fact that that stage company has come in here and done some tremendous work in terms of a professional stage company out here in the Midwest. Um, and it, I think it's, you know, it's good news on the arts front.
3: Absolutely. And, and I think we also did a program uh, on uh, what's an art town.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I think that's a step in, in getting an equity theater you know, and expanding the whole role of drama. I think that's a step in what defines an art town, Mm -hmm. so it's solidifying Bloomington's reputation. Yeah.
0: Any other uh, arts, or we could expand into recreational areas? The Beeline Trail made a little bit of progress.
3: I'd just like to say a story that I never understood, and and I'm not very bright. I think we can all agree (laughs) on that, but um, this bead story, the Bloomington Economic <laughs> Arts District. It's it's very pretty. It has lots of colors. Sometimes there are theaters in it. Sometimes there aren't. I never understood that. I have to say.
0: Well, I, maybe we ought to do a program on that. In 07. we can bring Denise Alano in. She's the new uh, Economic Development Director for the city, and she was instrumental in that. And maybe I she can explain can, it. She can explain it better. But but having a, an arts and entertainment district, uh,
3: it sounds like a good idea. It does, but. This, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone really knows exactly what it means. Well, we'll, it sounds we'll it's one out. of those things. Sounds good. But what is it? We we'll pledged our listeners to find out in
0: 2007. <laughs> all right. Anything else in the uh, area of arts? I want to move on to business.
2: What about sports? When are we going to do sports? Well, well, later. Some of those top stories are in the sports. Yeah. All right,
1: all right. Well, I was going to—I'll—I uh, I'll, was going to jump in on that, but we'll okay, do that. Go later. ahead, jump in. Well, I, I was sitting here thinking, man, don't you know, me, we don't, don't haven't even yeah. Yeah. spoken about uh, Kelvin Sampson yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. being hired and uh you know as of right now i mean so far okay and uh, uh and they're transitioning to the system um uh but the interesting thing is and, and now i'm str- uh, that well someone who works in this building uh he and i were Talking about something that I said and i had forgotten I said, which you know now sounds more profound, but I don't even remember saying it. But, but I think it is true, and I think actually he's attributing me to this, and I didn't say it. But is there anyway. an end to this sentence? Yeah. No. What did you say? Good thing I'm not writing this. <laughs> uh, the, I, I said that uh, the coach between Bob Knight uh, and whoever they hire is going to end up as uh, just that, you know. How many people mention Mike Davis these days? And by the way, UAB is off to a good start. Uh, and uh, uh, but basically, there's going to be uh, a period of uh, Indiana basketball history that will be considered Bob Knight and then whoever came after uh, Mike Davis, and uh, it, uh, which is a bit of a shame because there was that uh, I believe they appeared in the national championship game that year. Yes. you know which you can't forget about, but. Uh, uh, but this Kelvin Sampson, uh, in one way or another, is going to bring uh, his very definitive system, which uh, is uh, having seen him up close at Oklahoma over the years uh, and covered covering some of his teams in my past life as a sports anchor. Uh, I can tell you that he's, his teams always were very hard uh, competitors, very good defensively and very uh, – uh, disciplined offensively. Uh, so, you know, they've got some real possibilities, uh, especially with the recruiting that's already happening.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, Mike Davis leaving, announcing his resignation, Calvin Sampson <laughs> being hired, that was... Uh that was a one of the other big stories of the year. We've had a, a time for a break right now. I want, I want to remind our listeners you're listening to Noon Edition. We're in a pre-recorded program talking about the top stories of 06 and we're going to look ahead to the top stories of or some, what we think will be stories in 07. Uh, we'll be right back. If you're listening to Noon Edition.
4: www.southdunnstreet.info. WFIU is a media sponsor for reading, writing, and rhythm. It's a progressive evening of food, fun, and funk to support literacy programs for all Monroe County Community School Corporation students. Dancing with the Dynamics, a silent auction, breakfast after midnight. It takes place at Alumni Hall in the Indiana Memorial Union Sunday, December 31st, 8.30 p.m. to 1 a.m. More about this and many other items available at WFIU.indiana.edu.
0: Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with Will Murphy, News Director of WFIU. Andrea Murray, managing editor of the Herald Times, and Chuck Carney, until recently the news director at WTIU. We're talking about the top stories of 2006, and we're going to look ahead to 2007 just a little bit. Um, you, this is a pre-recorded program. We're actually uh, – we, you know, we always hope that a lot of news doesn't just break out over the next four or five days. <laughs> so we're recording this right before Christmas, um, but you can't call us. That's the relevant point. You can't call us today, so – we're just going to keep uh, going forward with our discussion of these top stories of the year. We, when we went to the break, we were talking about sports and the Kelvin Sampson hiring and the uh, Mike Davis departure to UAB. Um, I think we should probably also mention the um, the, the health issues that Terry Heppner had um, really right at the end of last year. Was after Christmas last year. I don't think it was even announced until – maybe even the first year, would have missed this program altogether, I'm fairly certain. Um, but he had uh, surgery on his brain and then had a uh, recurrence of uh, some issues and had some scar tissue removed during this football season. So that, uh, aside from the fact that you know, he was a new coach in his second year and the IU football program uh, made some strides forward, certainly with five victories this year, um, that the issues about his health were also a big issue this year.
1: But uh, and and I have to say this is the one area where I uh, I can't be in, entirely unbiased. Uh, the, he received treatment at uh, the Midwest Proton Radiotherapy Institute, and my mother-in-law also received treatment at, at MPRI over the last uh, couple of years. And uh, the miracle that is that uh, technology, uh, I, I'm certain, has uh, no small part to do with the fact that. Terry Hepner was able to get up and around. This was not a small deal. You have uh, a cancer uh, on your brain uh, that's that's hard to treat uh, but proton therapy uh is unbelievable if if you get a chance to really try to investigate it and understand it uh you should uh, and uh, the so my uh I have to pay tribute to uh, to MPRI for Terry Heppner being around, and I'm sure that Terry Heppner would do the same. Well, that's a good transition to some business
0: stories, and, and one that really we haven't done a great deal with at the newspaper. I'm not sure how much either of you did on, uh, in uh, your roles here with WFIU and WTIU, but uh, a company that's going up right now downtown in Bloomington, Procure, is a company started by John Cameron here, who was with the Cyclotron and MPRI. And now he has started this private company, which is going to build five more um, proton therapy centers around the country, including one I think is just about to open in Oklahoma City. Um, But what Procure will do is train all the people that are going to work in those therapy centers. And it will bring people to Bloomington, um, people who... Are you know doctors and scientists, and they'll come to Bloomington for their training, and then they'll move on to those five centers. And it, so it has an, a rippling effect in that it's going to help Bloomington and the local economy, and it will help MPRI, and it will help um,
2: it'll help healthcare. Lots of people,
0: yeah, it'll help healthcare and lots of people
3: nationwide. Well, mm-hmm. looked like you had a now, I was just it's a sort of different segue. Um, the life sciences mm-hmm. and healthcare has been a major story, I think, for, for this year as well. And is going to be certainly at least for the university in two thousand seven with the legislature, that'll be their their prime goal is to get funding for the Life Science Initiative. And that's been such a difficult story, at least for me to cover. I won't speak for anyone else, because when you start talking about proteomics and yeah. genomics uh- and <clears throat> metasite and it's like I don't understand any of that. And it's very, very difficult to give uh, your average person on the street, a sense of the ramifications of what those investments mean.
1: Well, and, and I will tell you that uh, one of the things that, as you were saying that, I, that and I have my laptop here and I, I looked up a couple of figures, uh, the the thing about a proton therapy center, uh, as much as as a miracle as it is, Uh, One estimate I have here, uh, average startup cost for a proton therapy center in excess of $100 million. Uh, You don't go start this next week. You can't do it.
2: It's expensive to get those protons moving. (laughs) It is.
1: Well, and and the the whole reason why Bloomington has one is because the cyclotron existed already, Mm -hmm. and uh, so you had the basic structure there. Uh, But the University of Florida is – I think has just opened a proton therapy center that uh, it has built in in Jacksonville. There are only now five in the country uh, and within a few years will be eight. Uh, It it takes a long time to build them. Um, Much of the staff of MPRI here uh, came from a center in South Africa where they were hired away. Uh, And those people are always being – the other proton centers are trying to lure them back. The point being that the the new center that's going to train these people here is such a big deal because it is uh, – it's going to be training for something that there aren't enough people for. Uh, so uh, that is going to have a lot of uh, uh, it's the first of its kind here, basically with a a setup that has everything but the proton beam mm-hmm. um, and, but But I think as far as explaining the stories, what I always focus on the thing that I, that uh, in broadcast uh, that you can explain, I think that people understand is the money. Uh, and uh, one hundred million dollars is a, a pretty big figure. I mean, that's that's more than Will Murphy makes in two years. <laughs> um, so,
0: well, I think the other thing, and I'll just speak personally for a second here, is that the advances in in medicine in general and life sciences is all about research development. Advances in in taking care of people, and you know, being a person who went through a surgery this year, which was done using uh, it was laparoscopic surgery using a robot, the Da Vinci robot at uh, the IU Medical Center. Um, that's an advance that um, I'm thankful for, and it you know we're thankful for. it. Yeah, thanks a lot. Okay, let's move on. Enough about me. Um, th- we've got about 20 minutes to go, and we have a lot of uh, a lot of stories still to cover. Um, Let's talk about business. I mean there were some other business stories. Uh um, you talking
2: about Fine Light and Ladyman's. Fine Light
0: and Ladyman's. That's a good mm-hmm. that's a good story. What mm-hmm. would you say about that?
3: Mm. I was intrigued by the coverage. I mean, yeah, it's significant that this business was uh, here for fifty years. Um, and it was a kind of and Ladyman's was a kind of, of landmark.
0: You I think we overdid it.
3: I thought there was a little overkill on that story, yeah. um, because there's there are really you didn't nice have the pie there. <laughs> <laughs> there are businesses <laughs> that go out of out of business, unfortunately, you know, almost on a daily basis. Uh, some more established than others, and so I thought, you know,
2: but it, uh, you know, we really need a place to eat breakfast uh, right down on the square. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, there I, wasn't
3: a, a million stores. I realized that they moved. They didn't stop functioning, yeah. but Roadworthy moved. And that right. was – for a, right. a community that's so music-directed, Roadworthy I think is a significant uh, sort of landmark and there was not the same sort of conversation about that business.
0: No, I think there were – there, from my take on it, it, it sort of uh, symbolizes the, the tug of war that goes on in Bloomington time after time after time between uh, I guess folks who um, – Really want to hold true to some traditions and uh, a way of life here, a quality of life that they perceive to be the the best way to live, and then other people who have maybe a different perspective on what creates that quality of life, and and there are all sorts of um, oh conflicts in that story that. That I see, I mean, you're talking about Ladyman's being a privately owned, you know, a a small business, a local business that is going to be forced out. Well, it's going to be forced out by another local business, you know, another business Mm -hmm. that's been here for about 20 years. It's been around for quite a while. As well, but it just happens to have 150 employees
1: that they're going to put in the downtown – that they want Maybe. to put in the downtown yeah. area. right? Well, and that's the continuing story now is uh, mm-hmm. there is a dispute uh, over parking issues with the city and, and uh, Fine Light. And as of this taping, I suppose that uh, it looks like it may not go in there at all. Uh, and so – so now what? Well,
0: and I think I think that's one that's a story that we're going to be following closely in 2007 and it, you know it's not just a story about what one business does it's a story about what downtown's going to look like I and mean, Kirkwood's going to look I
2: like. I think I think downtown's shaping up pretty well. I really think that you know Bloomington is got a great downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, everything that's happening down there is making it greater.
1: Well, and, uh, and I'll tell you that when I moved here, and I'm not from Bloomington, not from Indiana originally, uh, but moved here eight years ago. And one of the things that impressed me right away was the vibrancy of the downtown. It's well, it not, wasn't
2: always that way. I mean, right. the, the downtown mm-hmm. went through a very bad slump. I mean, I am from Bloomington. and I do remember the all the old stores downtown, the Kresge and the Woolworths and Toby Shoes and sully's Oak and bucket and i'm sure that i'm dating myself Sullivan's. but you know no, even those Sullivan's stores were new well to, to people who who moved here in the in the 30s so you know it changes and things come and go and and i think the plan is to make downtown get you know bigger stronger better more people living down there more people working down there and it i think it's working it's still fragile but it's, it's working. And we're certainly headed in the right direction well, in terms of keeping that downtown.
1: There, there's been a plan which has not existed in most towns uh, of Bloomington's size. Uh, and, and I mean, you go to a town of similar size, uh, say, in, in my home state of Arkansas, and you'll find – and there are a lot of towns that build uh, with the square model like yeah. that. And they used to have the department stores downtown – uh, well, I'll use Fayetteville, Arkansas, for example, because that's where I lived for a long time. And they have a beautiful square. It's very similar, actually. Uh, but they've lost their department stores. And, and what has happened is there uh, – while it's not bad, it's not like a lot of cities, it's still – you have this odd mix of uh, – I think last time I was there, there was a business that was selling uh, uh, something like rubber ducks and all rubber toy items. And, and then there was, uh, you know, something that had closed up next door to it and the television station had taken over one of the uh, spaces where a department store was so nobody was driven really towards that downtown area anymore that's not the case here and i think for people settling in this area as i was eight years ago uh, you're impressed by the 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 fact that there is uh, a cohesive plan and it looks like a vibrant downtown. It, it just cannot be understated how important that is because that's one of the first impressions that you have of a community. I want to correct – make sure that everybody
0: Here's my correction. You mentioned Sully's. I said Sullivan's. I was thinking about Whiteside. Sullivan's right. is still th- thriving. Business yeah. in downtown down, downtown. Right. Downtown. But they're all – those. those yeah. 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 So I just wanted to make sure that Bob Sullivan didn't hear this yeah. and become upset with me. All right. Other uh, – let's see. The only other business issue – we've actually mentioned it already – Is Cook in the casino because, you know, that's sort of a recreational issue, but it's also a big business
2: Well, we have to mention Cook when we mention the downtown in Bloomington, (laughs) too, so we might as well segue over to the casino. But it has
3: been interesting. I mean, uh, people are never critical of of Mr. Cook and all that he's done for this community, but this whole French lick story has raised some, I won't say bad, some questioning press about this whole process because uh, Blue Sky and... And the Loth people have just sort of not conducted this at all well in terms of PR. They've they've not enjoyed working with
0: Bill Cook and and the Cook people. I don't believe, and and I think. I mean, obviously, it's not my opinion. There are lots of lawsuits that would say that.
1: (laughs) Well, and and my observation from just what I've heard and sitting in on a couple of uh, of uh, lawyers talking in the courtroom thing is that it appears just you know, and this is my, my opinion based on just what I've I've heard them say that. Bill Cook works uh, by himself and has enough money to do that on a lot of projects, and this was not one of those projects where he worked by himself. So uh, I think he's used to pretty much calling the shots on a lot of things, and it's not easy to work in a partnership uh, if you're not used to it. I mean, uh, all of us married folks know we have to adjust to that. <laughs>
2: but how about the casino? Have you been down there? Uh,
1: I have not have been it? since it's open.
2: It?
3: I have not seen it when it's finished. I was saw it in process.
2: I haven't seen it either. So there's four of us sitting around here talking about a casino we haven't even.
3: I figure uh, Mr. Cook and Mr. Loth have a lot of money already. They don't need any more from me. <laughs> I could go down there for a meal. But it's a it's a huge
0: story, obviously, for a lot of a lot of folks in our uh, listenership area. Is that what you call it in radio? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Our listeners, because the the folks in the South, in uh, Orange County, Lawrence County. Um, this this is creating a lot of jobs, a lot just a change in
3: their overall community yeah. fabric. Really. I should make a, a correction to my own. I, we, I referenced the casino in terms of I don't need to go down there and, and, and throw money on the casino, but there are a lot of other things as part of this project. I mean the golf course and everything else. Well, Lots the of reasons itself, to drive you there. I mean, yeah.
2: you know, people were known to go down and you know spend a weekend down at French Lick, and there were corporate meetings down there and whatnot, and that whole. Complex has been re, you know, revitalized, renovated, the spa, the, the hotel, the, all the, the golf courses, you say. So maybe you know it will be more than a casino. And, it seems like. You know, mm-hmm. I'm hoping to go down and see the hotel because I've, I've heard some wonderful things. And, of course, the other hotel that they're, they're working, yes. still working on too. Right.
3: If their ambition comes to fruition, though, I think, if, if it really becomes a magnet destination for the region, for the Midwest – I think that has ramifications for communities like Bloomington and Indianapolis in terms of hosting conventions and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. will have to become more aggressive. Yeah.
0: Well, OK. Let's move on to IU because there are some big stories that are percolating at IU um, involving personnel actually. And IU – and I'm going to throw in Ivy Tech too. So – Starting at the top. Starting at the top. President Herbert has uh, announced when he's going to – that he's going to resign um, and that there's a search already – But he's going to retire, I guess. And there's a search underway for his successor. Well, do you think that's going to be finished in 2007? Do you think it will go on? Because
1: President Herbert could stay until the middle of 2008.
3: My vote is yes, it will be finished in
1: 2007. Mm -hmm. Chuck? Yeah, I I think so too. I mean I remember asking the question, first question after uh, President Herbert announced at the trustees meeting that he was stepping down. And and my question was uh, would you step down early – uh, if a uh, successor was found uh, more quickly. And, and the, the question was totally evaded, which told me at the time that, that that's the plan.
2: Mm-hmm. You mean evasion means yes?
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. I think one of the variables here, and I don't know how this works off the top of my head, but I think one of the variables is uh, the trustees and who gets appointed. And I don't know when the terms are up, but I think that has an effect on when this thing gets resolved.
0: I think that's a very good point. And I know that you know, there uh, one of uh, Governor Daniels' very first appointees, maybe he was the first appointee, was Tom Riley to the trustees. And Tom Riley is a different kind of trustee. You know, he's very business oriented. Very. Uh, I was talking with someone the other day who was saying that he really likes Tom Riley in terms of the interaction he has with him. But but Tom Riley kind of likes uh, a fight. I mean, he states his opinions very clearly, and if you disagree, that. That's sort of all right with him, but it's pretty rough and tumble, and he has some pretty strong opinions about. The way and I don't think
3: there's any secret that he's the driving force, or one of the main driving forces behind this whole privatization thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so we'll we'll see if uh, we get a new president in 2007. Um, well, wanna,
3: do you think it'll happen?
0: Well, yeah, I do. I think it, I do think it will be before the end of next year. I think we'll be sitting here talking about the new president of IU
2: next year. Wow, when's a specific prediction.
0: I do believe that I, there's I, a lot
2: of people looking for a university presidents.
0: There are, and, and then <laughs> the question is going to be, you know, who are we going to be talking about? Will it be Michael McGraby? I think that that's sort of uh, the open secret—not secret, but you know, it's a lot of speculation that that he was put into his position as sort of an interim step. He is called the interim provost. That it was an interim step to him, maybe becoming the president of the university. And you know, I'm not privy to any information on the search committee. But, you know, that's the one name that keeps sort of coming out.
3: What this institution really needs, it seems to me, is uh, an end to the revolving door. I mean, there have been so many coaches. There have been presidents. There have been, you know, uh, provost, chancellors. There's been so much change in upper-level positions over the past five, six years. That's really got to stop. And and it will be curious to see... Um, And I have to be careful here because my wife – a little bit of disclosure. My wife works in the provost's office. But uh, as Subaswamy is is testimony, if an outside candidate comes in, what does that mean for the other positions in university upper administration? Mm -hmm. It's curious. Yes.
0: And uh, as Andrea mentioned, there are lots of people looking for presidents. Purdue is one, and Martin Jischke is uh, uh, retiring as well, and Purdue is looking for a new president. And then I mentioned Ivy Tech because Gerald Lampkin is – on his sort of victory tour around the state, and he's <laughs> retiring uh, too. So Ivy Tech uh, Community College of Indiana will have a, um, a new president as well, and it's becoming much more of a force in the well,
2: state. Well, yeah, Ivy Tech was big news in, in 2006. It's true. Florida. Well, and lots and of things happened there.
1: And it's clear when, uh, when uh, uh, Gerald Lampkin came through, we were. Uh, uh, story we did was basically talking about uh, the future expansion of the mm-hmm. of the Bloomington campus which uh you know they when they were over in the uh the old shopping center uh they it really made a uh, it, it was such a different atmosphere. Now that they're in that new building, it's really become a college, and
2: and they're outgrowing
1: it. Yeah, it? and they're outgrowing it. they It's huge the and it's seams. new,
2: and it, it's already too small. It's... And
1: they're already planning the the next building phase uh, mm-hmm. out there, which which definitely will happen. Which uh, and that has go, going back to our life sciences mm-hmm. uh, thing. That that has a lot to do with that. Uh, because there's a lot of training that's going to be going on there for those new roles. All right. We've had the five minute warning, so we need
0: to pick <laughs> up the pace. We have a few stories that I still definitely want to make sure we mention. One is health care. We had a program not too long ago with the Volunteers in Medicine group.
2: Now you're talking good news. Oh, that's my right. God. Now you're a, talking That's good a
3: big story. News. We should have probably it's
0: referenced that. That's a, a big huge story. story. And that, that, that's for exciting Those for, of you who don't know, program. Volunteers in Medicine, headed up by Dr. Raj Hadawi um, is is going to – it hopes to open a clinic in April and it will be a clinic that serves uh, people with no insurance, people who are 200 percent of the poverty level or below. Um, and it, it is a local solution to a national problem of, of providing health care for people who can't afford it. And uh, right now we've reported 61, I believe, physicians who.
2: Yeah, but you know, there's so many more. I mean, we, we so many have many a more. list of doctors, but there were dentists, there were nurses, nurse practitioners, other types of health care providers who are also volunteering. Mm-hmm.
0: And Dr. Hadawe, you know, knows that. I think he's trying, he, he wants to uh, sort of give everybody their shot. And I think mm-hmm. we'll have a list of nurses at some point and a list of Dennis is some point point that he'll release, but uh if this clinic works the way it's designed to work it'll be uh, it'll sort of revolutionize health health care for a lot of people in in our county
2: and it's a model that's working in other communities it's it's not that you know someone's charting new territory here it's just that somebody finally got together and and put the effort into it to organize it here for us.
1: Right. What else have we forgotten? I've got two or three others, but I want to... Well, I, you know, politics really comes to mind uh, for me. I mean, the yeah. state house is going to be different. Uh, the the uh, house of representatives uh, in the state is going to now be under Democrats. Uh, and of course, at the federal level, uh, you have Hill going back uh, to claim the ninth district seat. Uh, you have uh, uh, Brad Ellsworth uh, going in the eighth district. Uh, the The Congress is certainly going to look different. Uh, And uh, I I think that on the state level, you're going to – it's going to be interesting to see what of the Daniels initiatives uh, are going to get through easily and what are not. Although Governor Daniels actually has proven himself fairly adept at adjusting on the fly and uh, proposing things that would be democratic ideas. I mean the the idea of – uh, of a tax, temporary tax on the upper income earners, which uh, has and everybody's totally forgotten <laughs> about. But I, I remember down. that one. That was a, that I was, was that, for that. That was a, that was a shocker uh, to a lot of Republicans, uh, and uh, so I, I think you'll see a lot of that over the coming coming weeks. Mm-hmm. So that that will. Be I
2: just hope that the, the Democrats can can be you know exemplary politicians and communicators and adjudicators and l- l- law. Uh, abiding folks because I really just love to see the whole political conversation come up about eight notches
0: wouldn't that be nice yeah
2: I mean not just in Congress and in the national scene or in the state but locally too I think we could just really use a breath of new civility and yeah
0: we, we haven't mentioned uh, Bloomington city politics or the uh, county politics. I guess we'll, we'll look at city politics as a future story because 2007 will be an election year.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, I would assume Mark Cruzan will run again. I've heard some names on the Republican side that we'll yeah. see early and uh, we'll see what happens with the council. OK, we have one minute. So let's let's turn to 2007. Any predictions? I gave you mine that we will be talking next year about the new president of IU in this in this session
2: okay, I think that we'll still be uh we'll still be on daylight savings time
3: I think we'll still be on daylight savings <laughs> time <laughs> <laughs> all right uh-huh. well. Yeah, it sounds like nothing's going to change in 2007. No,
0: nothing's <laughs> going to change. Chuck, you may not be with us next year, so well, well, you'll I'm, be with so yeah, us. I mean, chance. that sounds fatal. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean it that way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, and, uh, I, I think politics is going to be the big story just because of all the changes nationally and, and uh, on the state level and even locally. Uh, and a plug for my new gig, education is going to be a big story. <laughs> education is going to be big.
0: We didn't really talk a lot about education. In the MCCSC. you know, high school reform is going to be a big topic next year, all sorts of education issues that we're going to have to deal with. But we are out of time. So I want to thank Will Murphy and Chuck Carney and Andrea Murray for being here with us. For my usual co-host, Mary Catherine Carmichael, and for Engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year.
4: Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald-Times.